If you're into open world action RPG games, then you need to be checking out Ascenders. It's definitely one of the games at the top of our list here at Balthazar, and recently I got to sit down with Jackson, the CEO at Ascenders. This interview will provide you with additional information to the research that we've already put out, including things like what gameplay is going to look like, how land will work, and more. Well, welcome Jack to the Balthasar interview here. Thank you so much for taking the time here with me today. I want to start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what is your role with the Ascenders team? Yeah, thank you for inviting me and, you know, giving it, me a bit of time to present Ascenders, uh, uh, our project uh, to the public and your audience. Um, so I'm Jackson, I'm the CEO of a Legendary Foundry Games. Um, our first game is Ascenders, and it's probably our, would be our most ambitious one. It's an action RPG. Um, it's kind of like Zelda-like with beats a player-driven economy of EVE Online. That's the short pitch deck. Um, what I do is I, uh, I'm, you know, my background is I'm a lawyer by training. Um, so not really a game developer, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I played a lot of games growing up and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, so you know, when I heard about the metaverse, I wanted to play a lot of the games that I was used to playing, uh, like you know, usual AAA games. Um, but I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any builders building that. So it was really unfortunate. Um, so, you know, I, I was waiting for the perfect deck to land, um, but there was never, no one was building it. So I, I felt that I, I had to go build it myself. Um, and that's how we started Ascenders as a project. Um, what I do in Ascenders is essentially, I'm kind of like the, I would treat myself as an external uh, person. So I deal with investments or partnerships and stuff like that. And I I make sure that the, the, I, I focus on recruiting, uh, recruiting on um, a lot of experienced game dev, uh, making sure um, that they get, have the resources they need to build the game that we want to build, and also um, doing quality control, making sure like it's uh, the game is uh, crypto suitable, suitable for the audience. Um, and no, that's a I guess short glimpse of what I do. And yeah. So how did you go from being a lawyer to now jumping into being the CEO of a gaming project? Because that seems like a pretty big career change there. Yeah, it is pretty. So I mean, a big career change. But I think what's been uh, what's been very like um, revolutionary about uh, crypto or Web three it's it's global by nature, right? So it, you know, you, if you have an, an opportunity, um, then you could uh, go uh, uh, do it and 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 you know, give your, give it your best shot. And that's, I guess, how you do it. You, you definitely, I definitely have a, a meet a lot of different people. Uh, and then, you know, you try to work with them and then see, uh, I think like what's underrated is um, that people understand is that uh, whatever game or company you build, it's really um, just a, a recruiting exercise to align everyone for the same vision um, and, and build something together. So I think that's the most important role as uh, the lead um, is to bring people together to build uh, for a vision that people are interested in building. Yeah. And it's really cool that crypto, as you said, is, is so global. It's giving everyone different opportunities and making a bunch of different career changes. I mean, that, that happened to me as well. And it's cool to hear that you've gone from this to now getting to have an opportunity to create such a cool game moving forward. And I, I'm curious, as you and the team have built out and you look at the NFT gaming industry, you've you've already mentioned it a little bit as you're talking about, you know, jumping into making this game. But I just want to hear your thoughts like 
as you look out to the NFT gaming industry, what are your thoughts? What's your evaluation? And what do you hope that Ascenders can bring to this space? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we see a lot of browser games. Uh, and I think that's uh, quite a natural uh, part of it um, because, you know, MetaMask, the plugins on the browser. So it's quite, uh, and then a lot of the, a lot of the Web3 games right now are just like reskinned versions of DeFi games. Um, so that's one aspect of games. And then the better games are built uh, independently. So like uh, Axie Infinity was built on Unity, um, from my knowledge at least. Um, and then, uh, you know, like back in the day, it felt like a deja vu back in, you know, the 2000s. Um, uh, revealing my age here a little bit. But like, you know, I used to play all the Flash games. There's these web, web Flash websites that you play over the stick man uh there's mcdonald's farm game that you had to like like um like plant the the patties and then and then there's a little you, you deliver the the the, the burgers to the customers um i played all those kind of flash games and uh um yeah and 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 then that but then none of them really stuck to me i think um uh, the games that really struck my heart a bit was the kind of the games that were were native to its kind of medium so um you know game boy is a very rudimentary uh um, kind of device uh you know, compared to devices we have now even the phone um but like the storytelling um the nativeness of you know pressing the button and then having those cartilages and then showing it inside the game boy was all very 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 fun and very like engaging. So I think we're in a first phase uh, where we're playing with a lot of these flash games and browsers. And then uh, as we go along, I believe we'll see more games that are native to its medium, um, like natively. Uh, we see games uh, uh, from the app store uh, popping up or, or endorsing NFTs. Um, and then we'll have also AAA games uh, endorsing NFTs as well. Um, yeah. So is it Ascenders, is the goal like, hey, there's just not enough good games out there. There's not enough that kind of triple A quality that you mentioned before. We're seeing a lot of these very basic things come out right now. And Ascenders is going to provide yeah. that. Like, hey, this is the first game that maybe gamers that are like legit gamers, either, you know, Xbox, PC or or whatever they play on that they can actually get excited about. Is that kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, I mean, you're never going to get like the rest of the population excited about uh, Web3 games when they're all browser games, in my opinion. Um, definitely, there could be uh, very well-made games on browsers. Um, but like, uh, you know, based on my preferences, um, I prefer the native approach. So, um, yeah, definitely like, you know, I felt that was missing in the space. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's it's a we're building a AAA game because it's a it's a kind of like a passion project for me right i mean never built a game before um so i want to build the best um and, and and it's something that you know i've um definitely like pushed myself a bit too hard here because we're setting expectations to be a bit high um but that's ultimately my goal i mean uh it's it's not something that i mean if it was for for the cost of building this game i could have been build five different small games if we wanted to and that would be way more profitable to be honest um, um but yeah I don't, I don't really believe in that i believe in trying to build something you're proud of uh, uh you know 10 years looking back you know 10 20 years looking back so that's the, the goal for centers building the most ambitious triple a game uh with a, like a native web like three kind of economy inside of it yeah i love that passion i love that you're talking about Hey, let's create something good that we're proud of instead of just throwing out we've seen in this industry. I think 
a lot of people just rush things to the market consistently because there is a lot of money right now and people buying NFTs or tokens. And I'm kind of curious uh, from the senders point of view and the team, it seems like you guys haven't put those NFT sales out to the public or tokens yet. And I I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts there. Is that a, a philosophical decision by the team? Like this is, you know, we want to wait when we want to be patient. We want to take our time. Is that just, hey, we're not there yet in development. What's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, I think we're just not there in development. Um, I mean, straightforward, you know, you could always take shortcuts um, in life. Um, so we see even uh, like today, we see in some uh, games um, buying some uh, assets from uh, the, at the Epic store um, and, you know, selling them as NFTs. We see that both Pixelmon buying it from the Unity store and selling it as NFTs. Um, and there's nothing wrong with bought assets, to be honest, when game development. Um, it's just that when you're selling that as an NFT, it's quite, uh, it's kind of like not, not great, <laughs> to be honest, not ethically great because people spend, put a lot of money into it. So you, you really, really should be building kind of the best kind of NFTs out there. Um, so part of the development cycle, um, so Web3 game development, um, I feel like it's really marketing first. Uh, uh, so a lot of people are just like uh, pushing out things you could market uh, and, and kind of rushing that aspect of it. Usually like, for example, um, if you want to look at the profile picture collection, PFP collections, I mean, character design is usually much later in the game development process. Um, you really, usually you kind of want to paint the picture of what the game generally looks like first. And then you, you go smaller and smaller details and then finally go to the characters, which is, um, yeah. So, you, you know, in, in, in Web3, you kind of flip it by its head. You'd be like, let's release a character first and then see how it develops, right? So definitely a different kind of approach um, that we've taken from uh, the market. Um, but yeah, we kind of see like, I think one thing that's quite acceptable in in, in Web3 is like to show the, the development side of the game uh, out there. And we're trying, I'm trying to push our game devs to, you know, show more out about, about what we're doing behind the scenes a little bit more. Um, obviously some of our, our game developers are kind of like perfectionists. So they want to really wait, they want, really want to wait, it's perfect. It's like, this is the final image you're gonna get before you're gonna sell anything. Um, but like, uh, you know, I think what's acceptable is you start from a low quality uh, image, like a 2D image, and then you deliver a way better image, a way better final product. It's 3D and stuff like that. And uh, Neon Heroes comes to mind. I mean you know it's just it blows me away their their recent trailer um of what they built compared to their first character um 2d image and that's really good um but the opposite is not acceptable like which is pixel one they promised the, right. the moon uh and then it goes down like it's it's you know um it's cabin you know like and it looks looks kind of crap um and then you realize it was bought from the unity store and you're like oh my god like it's terrible um so yeah, that's basically a reason why we're just waiting. We're, we're still in the development process and we're, we're getting that into, uh, once it's ready, we'll release it. Um, and, and when we release it, it's original, it's built by us, it's native to the environment and it's representative, uh, hopefully representative of the final product. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, there's still going to be some sort of development. Um, there's still, still going to, there's always going to be the discrepancy because of R and D. Um, but yeah, that's why we haven't rushed out for that yet. Yeah, I, I love you're taking your time and using that example of 
Pixelmon. I mean, I died laughing when I you know saw that release, and you know it's because I wasn't someone that was owning it. So you know, I'm sure for those who are owning those types of things and pay big money, I mean that's got to be brutal, right? So I, I love that you're aiming for hey, let's bring quality and even more quality. Like let's blow people away when it's fully released. And I think you guys have, as a team, have already showed that a little bit with the demo, right? Like your demo compared to what else you can even play with fully released games right now. Your demo is almost better than some of those fully released games out there. So I'm curious from your point of view, like what was the idea behind this gameplay demo? And then how is that going to compare to the actual game launch? I I kind of have the opinion that, um, I, you know, our target audience is gamers. So I mean, gamers, you could tell you and gamers could tell when it's a good gaming project or not right so by by just playing the game like it's uh it's quite natural whereas you know like if it's the DeFi protocol or something like that you might you might not understand the math behind it behind it you don't understand the innovation between the uh, the codes a little bit so sometimes you might rely on you know brand names of vcs out there um to make a judgment on you know whether this is a good DeFi project to invest or not Whereas games quite straightforward. I mean, you play the game, you know whether you like it or not, right? Um, so, our, in our opinion, like, um, um, you know, we're game developers, so we built, uh, so we want to build game first, and before we sell any NFTs and um, and tokens, um, we wanted to showcase that we're a game studio, and and there is a, um, yeah, we're a game studio first, uh, so so that people know that you know when we promise to deliver something, we'll deliver something. I think that definitely it's a big contrast to what the market uh, is used to. Um, but yeah, people are used to um, like hype and whether they can make money or not and something like that. Um, but, you know, you know, I believe that like if we're building, we're building like, I, we know in our opinion, like the top 0.1% of the projects out there for games. And, um, and, I think power laws apply. I mean, the, partly the reason why we're not building five games, we're building one game is because, um, you know, top 0.1% captures like 90% of the value of the market. I mean, you kind of see it with NFTs, board apes, um, you know, like all these, the, the larger blue chip NFTs really just take 90% of the market share and the rest is like, doesn't take any market share at all. So, um, you know, we're, we believe in the moonshot approach, just build the best possible and, and, um, and and you know the players would come, uh, and 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 the returns would come. You know if we build something compelling, um, but yeah, of course it's a game first, not a return first kind of game. Yeah. So for those that have played the gameplay demo, you know I, I did a video on it, and I I almost made the top one hundred. I was so close, and then I fell so short. But I, I'm curious, you know, hype up your game a little bit. Like when this thing releases, how is this going to compare to the demo? Because the demo is really fun to compare to what's out there, right? But it's still, you know, pretty simple. It's still pretty, you know, hack and slash as far as the combat. We don't get a taste of the exploration or, or the building in this game. So how is the actual like gameplay going to look like when we launch? Yeah, I mean, you should make a really good point. So we made that game, uh, mini game in two months. It's a really short time period for a game development release. I mean, from idea to modeling to like uh, getting it out there was is quite a short period. So there's limited things, limited things we could do. Um, so, uh, so for example, the combat, um, we, we, we intended to do uh, 
we had a motion capture studio to to do the motion capture. We actually have the motion capture footage as well. We never ever released it. Um, just we just had, didn't have enough time to incorporate that into the kind of the demo. Um, but we will do so with the mini game, uh, but with the full game actually. Um, so just to give you a context of how complicated things could be, uh, um, like a sword animation. Um, you know, like the little nice sword animation and sword swings that you see in, in normal games, those are animated by a person wearing all the, um, you know, these orbs thing and these cameras looking everywhere else, like those motion capture suits. You could, we will do those um, and uh, we'll have a motion capture suit with an actor and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, the level of sophistication of animation is just way higher um, than, like, for example, a shooter game. It's just like you don't have to animate it, you just shoot, boom, 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 boom. And so, at most is the recoil, which you could artificially create. Um, so, um, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of things that we wanted to do for the mini game, but we couldn't because of the scope and the time frame that we were set to to put deliver out. Um, so the full game will be much more comprehensive um, um, in terms of it's not going to be a hack and smash game. Um, the skills would um, uh, that you press would also rely on a bit of timing and make sure you get the timing right and it's kind of like you know like league of legends or dota you know there's only four skills it's supposed to be a simple game it's four skills only right um but like the timing you know like uh you know how you react to the enemy and stuff like that you could invade um which is like you know it's not like a percentage uh evasion it's like you could actually you know roll and move and evade attacks and stuff like that so um the game the gameplay which would be, be much more compelling uh uh than the kind of the mini game that we built out um uh the graphics wise um it will go up in quality um so um if right now it's kind of like fortnite-ish quality like uh um uh, kind of uh it's it definitely fortnite is is pretty nice um but like uh definitely want to bump it up to more more triple a and higher graphics fidelity um uh, so you'll you'll see eventually you'll see like uh, how how it would end up but we're 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 doing the kind of the 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 bible of how the game looks and feels um and and make sure that we we um narrow that down and make sure it looks looks even better than what we deliver um yeah the mini game for us was kind of like a a b a solid b <laughs> um but like uh yeah with more time obviously we could deliver something a lot better well, I, I'm excited because if that's your B, I, I'm like, I'm waiting for the A or A plus here because that sounds pretty awesome. So uh, congrats to the team on that. And yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that more engaging gameplay and the exploring and all that. And speaking of which, I want to get your opinion here on, you know, who do you think your target audience is? Because I know in the report we talked about, hey, there's a builder lane, there's an explorer lane, there's a fire lane. And, you know, I'm thinking of a game like Minecraft, right? Like I can go in there. And I, I don't really care about the building as much. I want to be the fighter. I want to go out and kill things where my wife is like, please turn it to creative mode. Like, I don't want to have anything. There's no monsters. Like, just give me a peaceful mode where I can build stuff. So is there going to be that kind of player in the centers in the builder lane or to the builder and explorer lanes more of kind of a side thing? And, and the fighter is the main target audience. I mean, the truth is there's actually more archetypes out there uh so we just pull three of the main archetypes that are suitable for for crypto um when one archetype like a builder or like a fighter is or 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 
a killer or a socializer is a dominant in game, the, the game falls out of whack and balance a little bit. So, you know, our goal is to balance it out a little bit. Um, but the core target audience for our game is, is really, um, we're targeting, uh, obviously, the Web3 player gamers. I, I think those are very passionate players. And, you know, um, but then also we're playing target uh, normal Web2 gamers as well. So it's a game that we could, you know, I'm sure like most of your audience have, have people who don't understand NFTs or cryptos and stuff like that, right? So this is a game where you can invite your friends. They don't have to know about NFTs and stuff like that to play the game. Um, so they can play alongside with you. Um, and um, a lot of the, like, for example, some part of the game is, uh, and we're borrowing this concept from actually mobile games. I think I mean, you're familiar with some some resources in these mobile games. There's usually two sets of resources, uh, the premium resource and the common resource. The premium or premium gems in the common, like the common gems, the common gems are kind of given away for free. And, and sometimes they give you the, the premium gems, the green gems that you have to buy with money. Uh, and then that gives you unlocks like gold chests and stuff like that. Um, so it's a, like a, like a, 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 there's a non-crypto lane as well and a crypto lane. Um, and then um, as you play the game along, um, you get the crypto side of the game as well. So you you play, you you kill monsters, you, dr you we drop resources, both crypto and non-crypto for players. And if you're a Web3 player, a Web2 player who doesn't know wallets and stuff, you don't get the the, the the, the crypto side of the resource and you're kind of losing money. Um, so, so hopefully that's a kind of a way we could bridge uh, web two gamers into web three. Um, so our audience is quite mass market. So we're looking, we're hoping to get at least a million players um, to, to play our game. So it's not like um, restricted to just web three. Um, yeah. That's yeah. That's really good to hear because I think that's where a lot of games have struggled, right? Where it's like, if you're not familiar with crypto already, the barrier of entry to set up a wallet, get your tokens, get your NFTs for gamers, right? It's just really complicated. And if they haven't had that experience before, it's like, well, I don't want to come to your web three game because I'm just so used to web two games and it's simple. So it's good to hear that you guys are, you know, spreading out to give an option to, hey, here's the crypto lane, here's the non-crypto lane, and let let us help you maybe bridge the gap. And I'm curious from your point of view, as you've talked to other gamers or you've pitch this project have what are some of the other things and barriers you see for these web 2 gamers what are some of the struggles for them to actually come over and start playing web 3 games whether it's ascenders or any other game out there yeah i think uh definitely getting the wallet is definitely a hard part right being self-custodizing your own assets is definitely not like for everybody uh, i think there's been like progress in, in that front um i thought like a Coinbase is releasing a wallet where you don't really, you could just register, log in, um, and have like a, um, you know, they basically have split three keys between the the people that Coinbase has one. I think uh, I'm not, yeah, and then you have one and then somebody else has one. So like we could have that kind of process where you just register, that's like your email and stuff like that. And then you could um, play and have your own wallet. That's definitely an interesting solution. Um, I think that's the the strongest barrier, and also like the like the um, ENS addresses. That's more native um, for people. You know, it's quite normal to have your own login name, whereas like uh, the like the the address you get for Ethereum is kind of difficult for people to approach. And it's just scary being your own bank. I think and people are afraid to people forget the passwords all the time. Um, 
let alone remembering the seed keys. So I think that's a huge barrier in terms of the infrastructure. Um, but yeah, I think we could overcome it and, and, and yeah, and that's and educate that through, through the gaming experience. Right. I mean, what's underrated is that, you know, we could explain what's a wallet, what's a seed key, what's a DEX all through like story and gameplay, um, through our game. So that's, I think something interesting that we could play around with. Yeah. I love that idea of, you know, kind of bringing in the game. I mean, that's kind of what a little bit like DeFi Kingdoms has tried to do, but also like they haven't had the gameplay aspect to it, but they've done a good job kind of gamifying the different language behind crypto and DeFi and, and trying to get people that are gamers into this space. But I like the idea of doing it through story and through the actual gaming world of something like a center. So that's really cool. And, and speaking of the blockchain and such, I, I know you guys picked Avalanche for your game. And I, I think maybe a lot of gamers are more used to things like Wax and Binance Smart Chain, those types of blockchains. And and really, I think probably the biggest one on Avalanche, correct me if I'm wrong, is probably Krobata right now. So what was the decision for the team picking a blockchain? Why Avalanche? What's maybe the advantage for you guys there? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, what, what Avalanche has done really well is, um, I think, uh, building um, some subnets i think uh, that's a um a good innovation in the space um the reason why avalanche is a compelling blockchain choice is because firstly uh yeah the chain never crashed so that's definitely uh you know <laughs> it's a plus that's definitely an edge uh, definitely a plus among the other blockchains um um and ultimately i think what attracted me is uh, the subnets where you could have your own kind of um blockchain like l2 l1 we, we still have to find our own validators but in generally i think that's uh the better approach um in my opinion because you know you know if bitcoin crashes 50 percent um i don't want the game to be unplayable right i mean the, the problem with a monolithic chain um like ethereum uh and all the chains that you see out there is um is that it's a monolith game everything runs on one uh, uh blockchain and that's super important for like um um high value uh transactions like for example if you're you know um you know doing taxes or trades you know money you want your money to be the most decentralized place ever right so you know running on a, a most decentralized blockchain makes a lot of sense to you um, but you know when when you know you know Bitcoin crashes fifty percent, everything goes down. Um, you don't want the gas price, and you know people are prioritizing liquidation. They want to try to save the liquidations. They're paying whatever gas there it's possible, um, and that congestion can affect your gameplay. Um, so you know there are periods. Uh, I mean, once a quarter uh, during a year, um, your game is unplayable. So if if you use a monolithic chain. So that's one one challenge of using um, uh, one of these monolithic chains. Um, the second one is probably um, having the your own flexibility to to use your own uh, kind of governance token as gas tokens. Um, so you kind of see that with a lot of uh, um, you kind of want that kind of deflationary uh, a mechanism um, for uh, your own tokens, and you know having your tokens as a way to uh, earn supply is um, a useful one. And that's why everyone's trying to build their own kind of L1 or L2. Um, the problem with building your own L1 and L2 is extremely difficult um, to build one. I think people underestimate 
how hard it is to build one. I mean, you see um, yeah, chains not being uh, crashing, um, uh, restarting. You see um, kind of blocks being reorganized all the time. Um, and you see bridges being hacked. Um, and as a game company, we don't want to deal any of it, right? I mean, we want the benefits of having your own chain, which is burning your own tokens, but we don't want the hassle, right? Um, and, you know, using a subnet from Avalanche um, kind of makes a lot more sense uh, than, you know, us building our own L1 or run it. Um, so that's the long answer to that. Yeah, I think as a, you know, gamer, I think if you're listening to this interview on the podcast or YouTube, I think for most gamers, right, when we look at an NFT game, maybe we don't understand all the blockchain technology that, you know, we're talking about layer one, layer two, subnets and things like that. So I want to give you a chance here. How would you explain a subnet? And I think really as a gamer, probably the only two things people really care about is one is the safety of their assets, right? We saw Axie with a huge hack and that's that's scary, right? Like what if my yeah. token, what if my NFTs are stolen? And then secondly, like how much am I actually going to have to pay in fees in this game? Because, you know, if a gamer's ever tried to go through Ethereum and it's like, well, unless I'm paying, you know, thousands of dollars, it doesn't make sense to do anything on Ethereum because I'm going to be wasting, you know, $20 to $50 every time I want to do something. So for the, for ascenders with their subnet, what is the explanation? How is it safe? And is it going to be cheap as a gamer? I mean, yes, it's going to be safe. I mean, definitely it's not going to be as decentralized as uh, we would want. Um, but then there's a um, the the kind of like a, the compromise is that you know um, with it being more centralized is that uh, the assets are um, or the transaction fees are much more safe and it's determined by our our kind of we have our own flexibility for gas fees so so that's something that you know um, some that's uh, been you know very useful um, so yeah essentially the user experience is just way better. Um, I'll give you one more example about like um, why running everything on one centralized server does not make sense. This this would resonate with normal gamers, I think, a little bit. Um, so previously, one of my game developers worked on uh, big Call of Duty titles, um, and then instead of like uh, sending one and at launch, um, they had this bug where instead of sending one request, they would send six requests, um, and then that like um, that really DDoS the PlayStation Network went down. Um, because of that, um, the whole PlayStation Network. So if you're playing any other games, it would have went down. Um, so after that, they had to reach, get, get, change it, um, and then they had to basically create. You know, each single each game would have its own server, so it doesn't affect one game, doesn't affect the other game, uh, and that's what subnets essentially are. So like, yeah. So basically, that's that's how that's why subnet makes a lot of sense, especially when. Uh, we don't need a lot of compostability with other, like if you're a DeFi um, uh, a kind of protocol, then you maybe want compostability. But in, in our game, I think it's, you know, the, the need is less. So, so AVAX makes more sense in that. Yeah. Well, thank you for the explanation. I think that's really helpful because I think, you know, us in NFT gaming, we're so used to talking in such blockchain-y crypto words that, you know, if we actually want to get people into the space from Web2, I love that. Hey, like, here, here's a Web2 example of what this means. So thank you for that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, but I mean, ultimately, I mean, hopefully they don't have to understand all this. I mean, this is just yeah. for technology geeks of what's blockchain, why do you need this and all that stuff. Like, uh, hopefully it works seamlessly um, and, and, and people don't have to think too much about it. Um, and that's our hope. Yeah, right. That that's all that stuff is going on in the background, which is cool because it unlocks new things in games, new technology, ownership of assets, play to earn all that. But you know, as as we just said, it, it can get so 
thick, I guess, some of these terms. And so I, I like that goal of the team of like, hey, let's let's just put that into the background. Let's try to get WebTube gamers not to have to deal with that unless they really want to jump into the geeky, maybe nerdy side of all the technology and, and the background stuff. So uh, I, I love that goal. And uh, moving on from that, I want to get your thoughts here on, uh, I think there's been a huge debate and discussion around bots in games. I don't know if you've been paying attention to some of the other games and how they're handling bots because a lot of people are, you know, now that this is real world value, if I can pull out crypto, why not just run a thousand bots in a game and each of them, even if they're making a dollar, I'm still making a thousand dollars a day, right? So I'm curious to hear, especially from an open world, you know, game that is going to have this player driven based economy. Do you think bots are going to be viable in your game? Do you think, you know, are you guys going to ban them? Are you guys going to do other ways to prevent them? What's your thoughts around that debate? Botting is always a problem. Hacking is always a problem in games, web two or web three. I mean, uh, many games are, you know, even without a financial incentive, uh, there's a lot of people who are kind of gaming uh, games. Uh, they want to show the superiority to be in the ranks and, you know, and that they, they cheat to get there where there is. I mean, the truth is, um, uh, hackers or botters uh, will, will always exist. Um, and the way we have to do is we have to, um, uh, try our best to, um, combat them. It's a, it's a chicken and like, a uh, egg kind of problem. Like, uh, it's, it's always going to happen. It's like, I guess more of a matter, a cat and mouse game. That's what I was trying to say. It's more of a cat and mouse game all the time. Um, uh, and, um, but yeah, I think number one uh, is don't make the game so easy to be botted. Um, so far, we've seen a lot of games that have a very simple like uh, gameplay. There's very little skill to play. Um, so it's very easy to bot in that sense. Um, but imagine uh, if your game is as complicated as Dota or League of Legends. I mean, um, you could try botting it. Um, you won't win it. Um, it's it's just so super sophisticated. And you unless you invent um, an AI like like Open AI. I mean, and, and then they they've created some uh, AIs to beat the game. It's very difficult to bot. Um, but you know, people always will find a way to 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 cheat. And and um, what we I mean, what's what's beautiful about blockchain is that. Um, is is that the the assets are recorded on our our like the blockchain so it's it's you know you haven't seen as much cheating i mean you see more martial body out there but like as i said before it's much hard harder to bot a game that is more complicated by nature um but yeah that's something that's something we are aware about yeah, so it sounds like you guys are taking the stance of like, we're going to do everything we can to remove them from the game. Because I've heard from, from other games, the stance is, hey, we're decentralized. We're not in charge of that. Anyone can play any way they want to. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's definitely a, like in a way like um, it's going to be a challenge. Um, so, I mean, as much as possible, we want the game to be decentralized and assets is something you actually own. Um, but if you're combating cheaters a little bit, um, then you might have to freeze their assets or if they mine too much, for example, wood in our resources, um, and it depreciates the value of other players because they also mine wood, but like this cheater got like 10, like 20% of the supply. I mean, that's going to be a challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, we could always have, um, we could always try to freeze it if, if we have to. Um, but, you know, obviously we don't want to get there. 
Um, but like, it's something that we have in mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel that, you know, um, I think that we should like, um, as much as possible combat these, uh, botters and cheaters. Uh, I, I don't think take the stance that it's decentralized. Uh, we should let play both people play the way they want them to play. Um, I think that's a very naive approach um, because you you know people put uh, work into the game, right? You spend like a thousand hours in in these games in a World of Warcraft, and someone botting is 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 getting most of the value of it, um, and they're not even playing the game. I mean, that's cheating your work value, right? I mean, you put so much hours into the game, so you know I I, I have the stance that you know we should combat him as much as possible. Um, and not to not allow botting uh, as much as possible. But the bots are like, these are, it's like, uh, it's like in sports is like your opponent is your best teacher. Um, the, like, uh, I think Tencent takes that approach. Um, like that the hackers and the botters are always trying, showing showing you your weakness and then you have to respond to them. Um, and, and, and you keep, you, you guys keep playing the, 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 the cat and mouse game. Yeah, I think players will love that approach because I think that's one of the frustrations is seeing all these games where the bots are getting a lot of the value and players aren't. So I, th I really appreciate that from the team and I hope that you guys can achieve that and you know figure out what are those weaknesses so that we can overcome those. Uh, let's talk something a, a little more fun though. I want to get your thoughts and explanation about the land because I don't know if I'm understanding this right. But Based on the report and the research that we did when I was reading through it, it, ma it made it sound like, hey, we're starting off with a smaller world and you get to explore different lands and expand kind of the universe of Ascenders as we go. And, you know, those lands are going to be claimed and then traded as NFTs. So I, I want to get your thoughts here. Is that mean players are owning the land? Is the team selling the land as it's explored? How does that all work? Yeah, I mean, we, we do have a land sale that we were planning to do. To do. Um, so um, land is definitely a delicate subject uh, just because it's um, um, the reason why is because there's a lot of utility to the land. And then uh, the problem with, with there's going to be like, uh, you know, I come from a place uh, from Hong Kong and, you know, um, it has the most expensive real estate in the world. Um, and a lot of people are feeling um, the younger generations are feeling that they don't have uh, an opportunity um, and to, to own that real estate because it's so expensive. There's no place you feel like you own. Um, and that's driven um, the, the younger generations out of the place, in my opinion. Um, and you kind of see this repeated through many like countries and cities. Um, so that's the problem with, with having land and, you know, the land owners, of course, wants the price to go up only. And, the, uh, but then the problem is that, um, you know, the younger generations don't have an opportunity to get a shot. So there's a, there's a balancing act that needs to be done. Um, so in a virtual world, um, the balance is between, uh, the landowners who bought the lands from the land sale or invested time and money into it, um, um, whether buying it from us or buying it from other players. Um, by the same time, um, if the game's launched for like two, three years, uh, you don't, you want new players to keep coming in and you want them to feel like that they own a piece of the world. Um, so that's the balancing act, because if you don't have new players coming in to play the game, uh, the game is dead. Uh, and therefore you can't sustain any, uh, uh, 
kind of land prices. So in the long term, it's much better. It's much better for everyone uh, that, you know, like prices move um, for lands that has strong utility to to go up, but not too much or there's or go up, but there's always new new areas for them to to acquire um, through gameplay. Um, so we have a land sale that it's up and coming. Uh, but those lands are are more centered uh, and, and and more centered in the world where it's uh, it's more more valuable because of its location um, and it's more valuable because of the resource uh, that you get there is much more consistent. Our output is consistent, um, and you, you you kind of the value is there. Um, and and then we have um, another way for people to um, own land in the game, which is. Uh, um, the battle for land concept. So we run tournaments, we run competitions, uh, and then from winning that tournament competition, they get land. Um, they still have to buy it, I think, for 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 a small price, or we get it for free. Um, but so that's a more of a there's there's a whale uh, place to you know buy land by being a whale using money. Um, but then there's a skill based approach to acquiring land. So you know if you're a 15 year old kid and you're playing this game, um, there there is a there's an avenue for you. Um, to be a landowner. Um, but those lands are more out in the frontier. Um, they're more inconsistent in resources. Um, the, the output's inconsistent. Um, and, and they're more f- further away from the center. Um, so, you know, that's the balancing act. Um, but then, like, there are more, like, you know, some certain very rare resources are only found in the frontier lands. Uh, they're not available from the lands that are bought. So some of the whales want those lands as well, right? Those lands are rare. Like those resources are super rare. So, you know, like you get the kind of like, if you if you, if you you battle for these lands, there's a chance of getting, getting really lucky. Uh, it's like pulling a, a ultra rare in, in, you know, in these NFT mints um, uh, for you to land on um, like a, a, a land that has super rare resources. Um, and then the value is like naturally like 10x the price that you minted it for, or like a, like a 50x or something like that. So, you know, that, and that kind of creates the, the interest in, you know, like going out and battling there. Because like, like opening Pokemon cards, it's like, it's like, ooh, I'm gonna get, like, it's gonna get shiny Charizard, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's a, that's the funny part of it. So it's, you know, it's a balancing act. Um, and people don't, don't speak about it as much about like balancing between like the people paid invested in lands and, 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 you know, the balance of having new players come in to revitalize um, the game uh, through time. Hopefully that explains it a little bit better. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting connection, even going back to what you said in the beginning there that I, I don't know if, if you come came up with this yourself or something, but I've never heard that connection of, hey, younger generations, we're struggling, right, to find housing, to find land because everything is so dang expensive and inflating. Even in my area in the Northwest here in America, it's like the past couple of years, things have almost doubled in price. So it's a really interesting thing to think through. Hey, the younger generations feel like they don't have an opportunity in the real world. So now they're all going to these NFTs, going to games to get land even if it's not in the real world. And so it's, I love that you guys are thinking through that. You know, how do you give opportunities both to the whales to hold that value and to players that maybe don't have, you know, like some of these games are charging upwards of tens of thousands of dollars, right, for land. And and that's still maybe out of the reach of some of the younger generation. So yeah, I, I just love that you're thinking about that and giving both opportunities. And I'm sure that's maybe tougher to balance, but I like that you guys are trying and attempting that. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's all, always trying to balance the 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 the, the interest groups, um, uh, and and I think um, it's quite natural, I guess, from 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 our Asian perspective, Asian Asian lost land, uh, and you know, people, I think what Singapore's uh, Singapore has really done really well. Um, Lee Kuan Yew has has said um, when when they founded the Singapore country was that. Um, it's it's a country of immigrants, and if people don't have a place to call home, they will never fight for the country in case of war. Um, so, uh, you know, Singapore's policies always been trying to give, um, you know, if you're a Singapore citizen, uh, an opportunity to have housing uh, that is heavily subsidized, uh, which is really a, a smart uh, thing to do. Um, kind of in a way, uh, the, the, if if people are disheartened um people from you know i think we, we i think i played a lot of games when i was like you know like the ages of 10 to 20 uh many hours in playing games um if you don't have a you know opportunity for them to become like landlords in these virtual worlds i mean why would they play the game um and and these people will eventually become like a, a productive um uh people in the society and will eventually make more income so it's uh it's something that um you kind of see a lot uh, with like you know the retroactive like like you know like the old gen gen one pokemon card packs um like these people grew up playing those pokemon cards and collected them and then now that you know they have their own income and, and stuff like that you know they, these these cards are highly sought after and the prices are ridiculously high um but like um you want them to be a part of the game universe um uh, and, and you don't want them to be like, uh, um, you know, they have to feel part of it, uh, part of this family and they can join that family and there's an opportunity to, to be a, a, a owner. So, yeah. So basically it's about, it's about these things. Well, I hope to be one of those landowners. So if you have any tournament tips for me, <laughs> when, when the time comes, let me know. Uh, I'm sure awesome. you're part of the whale group, not the, not the, <laughs> I the don't know about that. group, but like, you know, you no. virtual lands as well. So, Oh man. Well, uh, we'll see. That sounds exciting though, for sure. And, you know, kind of as we wrap up, I just want to give you an opportunity here. I know other people have come to me here at Boutstar and even on my own personal channel with new and upcoming open world games or MMOs. It seems like that's kind of uh, more of a trend. Obviously, a lot of those games are going to take a long time to develop, as you probably well know. But I, I want to hear from you. What do you think is going to set Ascenders apart from these other projects that are maybe somewhat similar in the nature of the game? I think uh, definitely to, uh, one thing that really sets us apart is our team. Uh, I probably know. I mean, our team has been ex very experienced in building uh, different types of games out there. So uh, Call of Duty, uh, Assassin's Creed, uh, GTA. I mean, these are the games that you know I grew up playing with, uh, and and these are the uh, and and the people working with us uh, um, are director level positions. Um, so, I mean, there's only one person above them. It's just the, the studio head. Um, so these are people who set the creative decisions in making these big AAA games. Um, so we definitely have the experience to build it out. Um, definitely, I mean, um, there are other games that are also kind of uh, uh, building MMOs and stuff like that. Um, you know, some of them are just taking an existing Web2 game and then um, changing it a little bit um, and then pushing out Web3. I mean, it's, I guess it's not the 
dirty laundry, but like everybody knows that a lot of these games are reskins of, of previous games. Um, we are not doing that. We're building this game uh, um, from the ground up. Uh, we are thinking from a grounds up principles of what makes a good Web3 games. Um, and, and, and we're building that all into uh, our senders. Um, so like, for example, um, a lot of people ask um, about, uh, like, for example, in our game, we have our NFT marketplace, we have a DEX uh, um, or AMM, uh, and then we have like an in-game bank as well. So um, a lot of people Web2 coming in, they don't understand what Web3 is, they don't understand what AMM is, uh, they don't understand uh, stuff would we'll, we'll learn through our game play. And it's a natural part of the game. It's like a natural extension part of the game. We're not enforcing it into the game. Um, so, you know, for for example, if a racing game has an AMM, it's like, uh, doesn't that really make sense too much? Uh, or like, um, for example, I'll use a racing game again. If a racing game has a land economy, it's like, okay, how does that work really? Um, it, you know, I think, uh, in my opinion, um, there are only a few game genres that work well with Web3. I think people underappreciate that a little bit. Um, even uh, famous VC investors as well. I think, um, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll just state my thesis for Web3 gaming a little bit here um, that I like to cover. I think uh, game genres that, um, that are continuous are are the ones that do the most well. And what I mean by that is they're games that restart every time you play. Uh, so FPS is one of them, Dota is one of them, or mobile game is one of them. Um, maybe Tower Defense is one of them. Um, so the, those games, it's very hard for you to invest money into NFTs or items because it, you know, your advantage is restart every time you play. So it's limited money you can put into it. Um, so like games like collectibles, like Pokemon, um, like card games, uh, um, these or, or action RPG or MMOs work really well because um, you want to collect these cards uh, um, or you want to collect these armors and swords and items to do very well. Um, I guess number one. Uh, number two is I think uh, it has to have a very deep economy. Um, so um, SLP being one of the currencies, uh, like the only currency there is kind of boring. Uh, like, you know, the game has to have a lot of uh, different type of resources, in my opinion, a lot of different items. Um, just for example, if you're you know doing a shooter game, I mean, how many guns do you have? Like 20? Um, whereas uh, if you look at WoW, I mean, they have 37k items, right? I mean, and then you know that's where people could trade and 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 items all the time. Um, I think that's what's uh, natively Web three. Um, so um, those are my kind of like core thesis of what uh, what makes a good uh, Web three game. I think their game is also making skins. They're selling like NFTs of skins. Um, um, you know, like uh, you know, one of uh, people working Call of Duty is working like working with us. I mean, it's super hard. He built one of the kind of the the few free to play Call of Duty games. Um, super hard to monetize. I mean, it you know, once you if if you play if you like M4 AK and you buy one skin or you buy a few skins and then you stick with it, you don't really change your skins very much. Um, 
So these, if if your NFT game is or Web three game is very skin like it's skin deep, as in like it's just very surface. They're using NFT in a very um, easy way. Um, it's not natively Web three, um, and that won't do very well. Um, and um, yeah, skins is probably like I mean like if you look at uh, League of Legends, it's probably one of the most under monetized games out there. Uh, for the amount of hours people spend on it, I mean, they spend maybe like, like five bucks, 10 bucks. I mean, maybe they spent maybe like 20, 30 bucks and they spent at least like thousands of hours into it. Very under monetized. Um, and uh, to, to do that model successfully uh, for legal, legal legends, I mean, I mean, it's, it's been ongoing for 10 years. It's one of the most popular games out there. And, and, and if you believe you're, Web three game selling skins is going to be uh, going to be the top twenty, maybe fifty games out there in the world. Um, then you have a real shot of monetizing uh, uh, NFT games with just a skin element to it. Uh, it's super difficult to do. I, I I don't think people appreciate that enough. It's um so so I would I would stick with the genres uh the the, the this framework and thinking through Web three games. Um, yeah that's that's my opinion yeah it definitely it definitely seems like mmos are just naturally fit for a thing like nfts and play to earn and currencies and trading and big marketplaces like you're saying i think one thing that maybe people push back on for this type of genre is that oh this game that's it's a crypto game it's a play to earn game so it just means it's going to be pay to win because now anyone can come in here and just, you know, throw $3,000 at the game and have the best sword in the game, or they can go buy, a, you know, a level 50 character where I had to grind for, you know, 500 hours before I got there. And so I'm, I'm curious, do you hear that pushback? Do you have any concerns about that? Or is that just part of the, the play to earn space? And that's fine. You know, in my opinion, this sounds really harsh. I mean, life is pay to win. I mean, you know, you, you, you you could send your 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 son and daughters to Harvard if you donate a building to them. <laughs> so you know, so so it's kind of hard uh, in that sense. I mean, and and that this is all always happening in the past as well. I mean, if you want a challenger account in in Legal Engines, you'd buy it. Um, and if you want a, 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 a yeah, so I mean, there's always that uh, case, and it's just underneath the surface. It's not approved of, and just Web three is just a more uh, more honest approach. You're just surfacing it, it surfacing it uh, out. Um, in my opinion, it's probably like, in my opinion, like Web three games is probably the kind of like one of the new business models for games. I think um, games have been under under monetized for a while. In my opinion. Um, I mean, there's a few business models out there, right? I mean, there's number one uh, is you sell per, per per copy. I mean, 60 bucks is probably in the upper range of a game um, and probably the best um, franchise out there was Call of Duty. I mean, they pumped that one Call of Duty every year and you would buy that every single year. That's one way to, yeah, that's one business model. The second business model is probably like um, subscription fees. Um, I mean, like we, a World of Warcraft pulled it off. Um, kind of Final Fantasy XIV pulled it off a little bit, um, but like very little few games really pulled off the subscription model. And then you have the free to play games, which is also um, a bit pay to win kind of game. Um, and 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 really um, kind of Web Web three hopefully is is game that's free, uh, but then lets people um, 
use transaction fees. In my opinion, our, our game is really helping people transact a lot, and then we taking fees from each transaction, and that funds, um, you know, future DLC expansion packs. Um, and those are, you know, provided for free, of course, as well as so. Um, that's how we've been seeing it. Um, but yeah, in general, you know, I believe that um, mobile games is probably the most popular game out there. It's free. Uh, it's it's paid to win. It's it, uh, at the same time as well. So I don't see that kind of problem out there. Um, I think uh, as long as people are entertained, uh, uh, that's the that's the most important part. Um, people are having fun. Um, so. Um, yeah, some people have different time values for money. So someone make someone's a billionaire doesn't want to grind for this kind of weapon, so they pay for it. I mean, that's I mean, that's what they um, want to do. So that's fine. Let's let them allow it. And some people um, don't have um, that money, and they could they have all they have is time, so they could grind for that weapon and sell it for somebody else. Um, and you know, have a virtual economy going on. So. Yeah, it's like a representative of real life a little bit. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see a problem with it to be honest. Um, so yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, makes sense what you're saying. Well, Jack, thank you so much for your time today. I've I've really enjoyed our conversation. This has been really insightful to Ascenders and really the whole NFT gaming industry and what it's like to be a CEO at one of these games. So thank you for your time. Anything as we wrap up you want to shout out or if you want to recommend pushing people to certain places to join the community or check out Ascenders, what what would you point them to? Yeah, check out um, check out our Twitter, follow our Twitter, um, join our Discord, and play our mini game. Uh, and that's a representative of what's to come in the future. Um, but like uh, as as I said before, uh, um, I'm expecting the team to deliver something way better than what we've delivered so far. Um, and and yeah, we'll have a we'll we'll have our white paper release soon. Uh, and then also um, and yeah, maybe we could have a time to talk a little bit about that once we release it a little bit. Um, so, yeah. um, so that's something something interesting. We have some new ideas there as well. So that's uh, something awesome. that you haven't seen out there in the industry. It's like grounds of principle first first principle thinking about what makes good tokenomics and 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 how do we balance the economy and uh, SLP and how do you deal with the dual token inflation issue? Um, and you know, like we thought a lot about that, but we could talk about that next time. Sure. Yeah, I mean, here about Sir, as you know, we're very excited for Cinders, so I'm sure we'll keep keep tracking things as you guys go. Maybe do some, you know, updated research and updated gameplay testing. So just let us know anytime you got some stuff to talk about, and I'm sure we'll we'll take a look. Cool. Nice awesome. talking to you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jack, and thanks for everyone for watching. Thank you. See ya. Well, thank you, Jack, again for taking the time to interview. I hope everyone listening here really enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy this interview and you haven't read through our research report yet, then I would go recommend that or watch the video of our recap. You can also jump over to Balthazar's website to check out many more NFT games, as well as learn about our upcoming launchpad and other resources. Also, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, go ahead and leave us a review. For now, take care, everyone. Salamat, gracias, and thank you for tuning in.